strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Basically, they won't pay marketing fees because their brand is big enough where they get, you know, they get so many customers directly to their website. They don't want to pay 30, 35 percent commission for a delivery service. Um, so they really like the fact that we're flexible with commissions and we could kind of provide lower fees, lower costs. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of taking from there. I just sent them a recap and, you know, a bunch of information, overlapping markets. And there, there's a ton of Darden restaurants in our market. So. Hopefully we can figure something out. And for our viewers, Corey has been just dominating restaurant signups as we explore and expand throughout the Mountain West. He's been doing a stellar job of creating synergies with a lot of these restaurant groups. And it's really awesome to see. It's helping us really build up a nice foundation. And, you know, we're actually, we just celebrated our 15th year in business on Sunday. And ironically, and coincidentally, we didn't have a guest today. I guess that was a good symbol for us to just dive in. Dan had a great idea. We should reminisce, discuss our journey a bit in the space. Uh, I'm live on Instagram right now. We're live on our Facebook pages. And we wanted to start there, just having Corey continue the talk. He was on with Dan and I about restaurants. That's just us bootstrapped in the trenches. That's why we started this for everybody is to really have everybody feel like what everyday life is like in our world and then being able to expand that platform to your world as well. So we figured we'd use today to discuss our journey on 15 years now going on in the food delivery space. Feel free to comment with any questions. Uh, we'll be very as transparent as possible, really. and. Hopefully we could go over some fun stories, reminisce, and, you know, I, guys, we, we could also dive into the 50th law or just talk about that next week. Dan, I love where your head's at, really diving in now that kids are back in school and we just celebrated 15th year in business in Bloomington on Sunday. August 30th, 2005 was launch date. Brian Bloom was our first ever order. We actually connected wow. him in the, uh, yesterday. So I'm going to be hitting him up and uh, catching up. So that, that was cool, too, being able to reminisce with some of the old guys from my grade and even your grade, Corey, you know, yeah. going over just back on Sunday, everyone hitting me up being like, oh, man, that's crazy. So that, that was really cool. Dan, I know we uh, had that cruise like right before you started Hungry Buffs, that, you know, illustrious fall where we were on that yeah. cruise mom and dad and just going nuts about the whole thing, getting pumped. And you're like, yeah, man, we're doing this. And yeah, yeah definitely. It's crazy. So We're going to touch on all those things. I just want to say for our viewers that are watching this or listening to this, this is completely raw and us just off the cusp talking. Like literally five minutes before we hopped on this podcast, I sent them a link to this podcast. It was like, should we just reminisce just because it's our 15th year anniversary? And I didn't even 
they might have responded. I didn't see it. I just came on here and it seemed like you guys were pumped. So I loved it. This is the power this of improv. Is yeah, so we'll see what even comes up in this. But just for those who don't know, yeah, we started, Mike started B-Town Menus. That was really our first market. That was back in 2005. And things were way different back then. It wasn't just us. We were kind of part of a bigger organization and eventually way down the road we ended up breaking off from that organization i started hungry buffs a little after mike and yeah that cruise was kind of a crucial moment it was uh, my spring break freshman year of college i believe and no it was, oh, it was actually in the fall so was it thanksgiving break yeah it was thanksgiving break yeah because yeah. you're right because we started it over winter break and we yeah we were going, yeah and you were obviously trying to talk me into starting the business. Mom and dad were kind of trying to talk me out of it for what I, I was ready to throw mom and dad off that. Couple. <laughs> there were a couple of there. I was like, I wonder what this would be like, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then we, you know, I questioned the idea of doing the business, but like not using the same company that you were partnered with at the time, which I think would have just been a mess situation and ended up starting it when I was a freshman in Boulder kind of right after that trip came back. I remember like we really solidified things when we were in the hot tub and watch them. And we were just yeah. kind of going over things, watch on New Jersey. That's where Mike and I grew up and yeah, launched buffed back in 2007 when I was a freshman in Boulder, Libby Hall. What a crazy ride it's been. I mean, this was yeah, before some turmoil early on with uh, some business partners that, you know, it, it was very messy. Very business partners and just this was before Mike and I were business partners. This was kind of when our businesses were separate and Hungry Buffs was one thing and E-Town was another. It was almost like a friendly competition. And yeah, Corey came along once he started going to IU. Corey, now, when, I remember when I met Corey, when he first visited Indiana, Greg, his, Corey's older brother, was on my floor. He lived right across the hall. He was my first friend that I met, made at Indiana. And he was the first person when I realized, oh, wait, this isn't just Midwest kids. I'll never forget, like, Greg was my eye-opening moment of, oh, wait, there's East Coast kids here. Because I, I literally went in there blind. There was this Joe Diverno, who I was a good friend of mine from high school, went to college with me. But there was no one. It wasn't like our school, Indiana, was a thing. I think there was one girl a year older, Danielle Jarista. Nice shout out. Hope you're doing well. She was the one girl I remember a year older that went from our high school to Indiana. So my mom went to University of Wisconsin. I checked that school out. I just figured Indiana was all Midwest. I had no idea there would be Jersey, Long Island, New York City, Central, and, you know, part of Chicago. We had a, it was like our own frat without having a friend. Yeah, it was bizarre. I remember when my brother told me he was going to Indiana. I was like, what the, like obviously I knew the Hoosiers and followed IU basketball, but besides that, I was just like kind of shocked. And then I came to visit him and, you know, just had an incredible time. Saw this university in the middle of nowhere, just beautiful. I had no clue I was in Indiana. Like, you don't feel like you're in Indiana when you're in Bloomington. And, um, yeah, I was also, I had, um, one kid, my best friend, happened to be going to Indiana, Jeff Dorman, who ended up working for us a little bit. Um, but other than that, I didn't know anyone at all. But when I moved to, when I got to my dorm my freshman year, every single kid on my floor is from the East Coast. And all those kids definitely helped 
you know, immensely to expand B-Town menus and grow. They all worked for us. Aaron Davis, Gershon, so Aaron many kids. Davis. Yeah, you great. remember. Yeah, yeah, big things. I remember my first trip. We did, um, we went out to Boulder to help Dan with an Eat Cheap Week. It was me, Gershon, Mike, and I th- was it just us three? I don't know if there's anyone else. Well, I know we also, we did a couple trips. We did that. We did one to Arizona. And Arizona, where we were trying to convince Jeff to go to Tucson. I'll never yeah, forget yeah. that. That so was a good trip. I also spent six weeks there with Paul. At one point, we were looking into partnering with our own tech to try to, at that point, you know, we were scrambling to try to figure out what was going on. And we were like, oh man, like this was back after I had already graduated when we were kind of like in, in flux. And Paul was like lining up meetings, trying to figure what's what out in Tucson with these different developers. And I'm just out there bumming on his couch for six weeks, kind of in this, in fl- this was after I was in Baltimore. Cause I went down there to work with those guys briefly and quickly realized that was not going to be a thing. And then Dan, if you remember, that was kind of when we had an opportunity, it sounded like to actually own our markets outright. Yeah. So that there was this like overlap time, Corey, you were like running the show in B town at that point for us. I, I just got out of town for a few weeks to clear my head, to try to figure out what was going on. Dan and I were waiting and then we went down to Mexico and it was awesome because at that point we found out, we never knew what was going to happen. We had known at that point we were running our, like we owned our actual business. We owned our markets. And then we were going over a marketing plan. I'll never forget this when I, dad was like, so Mike, in a perfect world, how much would we spend here? Because up until this point, we had never really had the resources to go hard. And I was like 50 grand. And he's like, okay, so how would that look? And we just started laying out all these things. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget that year when I graduated and living in Bloomington, there were two huge cargo trucks with boxes of t-shirts, promo items. I didn't actually know how much stuff we had ordered like physics. <laughs> and yeah. my entire apartment was like a UPS storage unit. Big time. Yeah. yeah. And just to elaborate on what Mike was talking about for our listeners and viewers, we, when we first got involved in this business, it was essentially almost like a college project. More than a project, it was a business, but we both a resume had, builder in a way. Yeah, because we both had expiration dates at the time where we were essentially being given the business with a set amount of time to run it. Mike's was six years. Mine was four because by the time I got involved, it was just there was more experience and they didn't need to do as good of a deal. Mike was the first ever one. And I'm kind of, as you could see, not really addressing 100% of the elephant in the room because I don't know how much we're really able to say, but there's this company that we used to work with back in the day and that's whose technology we were using at the time. We were licensed. Yeah, we were licensed. we were a license with an expiration date though. So that's, what's crazy. It's like thinking back, we were essentially starting a business and investing money in a business. And the way it was kind of laid out to us was in a perfect world, the very last year of owning that business, we would make pretty good money. And we, you know, it'd be a good college learning experience. And that was really enough in my mind to do it. Cause I was like, all right, well, this will be a cool thing to do in college. I'll learn a lot and maybe I'll make some money in the last year and it'll probably look resume whatever next in life and then yeah they kind of had some issues on their end and 
put us in a position where we were able to essentially own the company, our version of the company, like our websites forever, instead of having this license that was about to expire. So that was awesome because there was that moment, I think it was like in 2008, when we went from thinking like, you know, this was a cool little project to realizing like, oh, this is now gonna be our business for as long as we can keep it going. And you know, here we are 13, 14 years later. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And uh, yeah, it was definitely weird. Like at times during that early stretch, like thinking like, oh, well, this is this mine long-term or not? There definitely, at first it didn't really register and then it started to. And then something just told me at some point, things are just gonna work out, keep trudging. And the stars aligned, like a lot of complicated things went down, but I, I think it just shows the power of what, that we've all had the conviction and just staying on course throughout like all these ups and downs. And it's been a, a crazy journey. I mean, when we first got in this, there was literally no competition. There was very little competition, at least. There was like one local player, usually competitor, and then there was a national competitor that didn't really care or do anything in the places we were in. So that was, a, then when we got it to Denver in 2010, uh, it was a complete humbling experience because out of nowhere, we dealt with competition for the first time, when you think about it. In a major metro. After being big man on campus for so long, where we'd show up at a library and have people cheering us when we'd have cookies to yeah. then, you know, go in and falling in shit and snow after <laughs> door hanging at the University of Denver and seeing no results from it. Office to office in those big skyscrapers oh. trying to make something work. It was just a grind. It was. It's Corey and I and Dan were, we had some er eras where we'd do anything to get business. We were a dispatch during Thanksgiving, I'll never forget, Corey and I were Simmerin's dispatch, the little India owner. It was our way of get. He, he gave us the link, which was huge for us at the time for Denver for a lifeline. And we were just nonstop answering calls. Like this was before automated dispatch. And we were just like plugging in like all these notes. I'll never forget. I was at uh, with you, Dan, at Nancy's for at Alex, Eric, Randy's at uh, Thanksgiving. And I'm in their like dining room, like side room area in the den with a notepad in my ear to the phone, <laughs> of other phone. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I, I remember sitting in this nook in my staircase during Thanksgiving. Everyone's at the table. I'm just like in this nook in my like up in the stairs and I'm just like making calls to taking orders from an Indian restaurant and just placing them. Of course, it's the only restaurant open on Thanksgiving. And yeah, it was just nuts. Yeah, I gave him credit. I mean, that was a good move by him staying open oh. because they killed it. I, I was oh. like, yeah, yeah, we'll handle your dispatch. That was looking back. Oh, what a disaster. Never would have expected that kind of volume. But you brought up the, the links and how effective they were and how, how we still use them today. Fat Jacks, I remember that was the first client I really, I think I ever got in Denver and they linked us. We gave them like a 4% commission and they literally drove in like eight to 12 orders a day and kind of like, it like ignited and started us with that nice base in Denver. Yeah. And yeah. Sure. yeah. Just for our viewers and listeners, like when we say link, we basically mean when a restaurant puts us on their own website, which 
believe it or not, a lot of people still go to individual restaurant websites as big as all these third-party apps are. A lot of the orders come directly from the third-party websites. And what Mike was talking about, it's crazy when you think about it, just the evolution of the delivery space. Because when we first got involved, and even when you know Grubhub was doing their thing, really before the whole on-demand delivery era started, there were restaurant delivery services, but they were really, really mom and pop. The main thing you saw was just online ordering services where Grubhub at the time and us at the time, and again, this was before Uber, DoorDash, Postmates, but us and Grubhub really, and there were a couple other ones. We were just online ordering facilitator websites where we didn't do deliveries. We had restaurants that did their own deliveries. We told that. Back no. Six to 10 years ago, all the like a lot more restaurants did their own deliveries than they did now because again, this was before Uber and Lyft, not even just before Uber and Eats, but before there was this whole on-demand gig economy where you could use your car to work for Instacart or to work for Uber. And once that wave started, it really became hard for mom and pop or any restaurant other than Domino's and really it's like Domino's and Jimmy John's. We even saw like restaurants like Papa John's start to outsource their delivery. As soon as Uber and Lyft started, it became basically impossible for mom and pop restaurants to manage their own delivery for the sole purpose of they couldn't find the drivers because it was it's so much thing. easier and more lucrative for a driver to drive for Uber or to drive for Lyft. And then we came around and we kind of were the fir- one of the first players that almost digitalized the restaurant delivery end of it, where when we were doing online ordering, there were companies that date back to 20, 30 years ago that were restaurant delivery services where it was all done by phone. It was done by walkie-talkie dispatch. And some of those companies still exist. They're kind of slowly going away just because of technology, but they still exist. We were kind of the first ones. And again, this was before Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmates came out with like the the technology version of it where when people would order the restaurants would get the order in a way that was a little bit more integrated than just receiving a phone call and then the driver would get the order in a way that was a little bit different than a walkie-talkie and when we first did it we didn't have that system we just decided to kind of take the leap of faith and start doing deliveries for restaurants that didn't do their own delivery so we would literally take pictures at the time we had all the orders coming in through email and we've always had that, just where we could check orders whenever. We also have a backend, but we had them coming in through email. And we would take pictures of the actual email order and text them to drivers and ask drivers to then text us back with the confirmation. And it was really just great timing where Anthony, who's now our CTO, kind of came around and he was doing some other jobs in Boulder at the time, and he developed the whole dispatch software for us. And again, this is before the likes of Uber Eats. This was before you could track a delivery driver. And even with us, we weren't doing that then, but we were having the capability where we could generate a lot of orders and have those orders seamlessly be delivered and sent out to tons of people. And then what we saw is, to me, what most people – And I I think you could only really think about it when you reflect, but most people will never see an industry born and then VC money get dumped into it. It's like we saw the full cycle of the delivery space where we saw it come to fruition, we saw it evolve, and then we saw venture capitalist money come in and we saw all the competition really evolve overnight and it, it was crazy. It's like so, kind of cycling yeah. back now. That's the, I think you brought up a couple interesting points there. One being 
people are still going even after all these VC money, people are still going and looking for a restaurant that they want. So that in itself, I I think is a major win for us on one end uh, to be able to provide restaurants and affordable experience and having the whereabouts of knowing, listen, we started this business not being a delivery service. We started this business being a marketing company. Let's keep that in mind. Where our value we brought them was, hey, we know how to bring eyeballs and get you more business, even though you're doing the delivery, which I think has always been a, a special gift we've had. And it's why our, even when you look back, we relied with partners, third-party delivery services. I won't bring up names, but quite frankly, from day one, I always looked at that as competition. In the back of my mind, I was like, why are we not doing this ourselves? We're, we're the platform people are going to. We're just letting this other brand piggyback and get free business. And it, it got to the point where I, I just couldn't deal with that anymore, personally. I, I yeah. just, it was so agonizing. And I remember we started testing it ourselves in Bloomington on the ground. Corey and I, our, our buddy Brandon Fox helped out. And yeah. oh, man. a couple like manual drivers going on. And just to like test the waters and prove that it was valuable with 4th Street restaurants. Yeah, P-Town, P-Town Gyros. Which first for our viewers, yeah, that's like the alley of all the great international spots in Bloomington. It's some of the best restaurants you'll ever have are in Bloomington when it comes to ethnic cuisines. There's this 4th Street and everyone that's in Bloomington or went to IU knows what I'm talking about here. It's phenomenal. You have some of the best hidden gem restaurants you'll find on the planet. And I know that's a bold statement. It's true. Some of the best Thai food, some of the best Turkish food, some of the best Indian food you'll have. And that's- Shout shout out to- uh, Brandon Fox, I completely forgot about the Bloomington part because he did yeah. help us there, but he also did help us in Denver as well. And this was a very, very intelligent kid and he gave us a lot of time um, and just helped us out when we needed it. So shout yeah, out to Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. Hope all is well, man. You did great helping us be a guinea pig in the early days. And you know, that stuff's never easy. I know we all also experienced doing deliveries. That's where I have so much respect for driver partners. I don't think if you haven't done a delivery on a shift before, like a full shift, you don't realize how difficult of a gig it is. When you, I was ready to puke. I did that once in Boulder for, I think six hours. I thought I was on a -a tilt-a-whirl. Yeah, it was even Go to this storm, you're going to get these wings. Go to this storm, you're going to get this dessert. Go to this storm. And it's exhausting. And with Boulder and College Towns, it's a little bit easier just because obviously there's so many orders coming in at the time, there still are in our Boulder and B-Town markets. But when we were in Denver doing it, just the deliveries were so far apart. And, you know, we'd go from one area of Colorado to a completely different area. It would be like a 30 minute drive to get from restaurant to restaurant. Also finding an address at like during the night was one of the hardest things if you can't see the number of mailboxes. Um, You know what's funny about that, Corey? The first time I ever, I, the first time before we were ever in the delivery business back in high school, Shout out to Greg Chory. I covered for you on a delivery shift. Dan Vasquez, shout out to you too. You never yeah, Dan Vasquez is driving me around. We can't find this address for the life of us. This was pre-GPS. And Dan Vaz, he was a, a guy who was very good with directions. I always remember that. So yeah. that was part of why I had him come with me. And I was just being nice helping Greg out. This guy that owned this pizza place, this is when I knew I could never work for somebody after this experience. I was like, that was it. 
at, I think 16 years old, I was like, this is never going to happen. This guy just tore me into a new one. And he's like, you're never fucking working here again, you piece of shit. And I'm like, dude, I was a fill-in tonight. I'm, I'm not working here. Are you shitting me? And I started reaming him out. And I'm like, I don't know where this damn address is. And he was just <laughs> losing it. And finally, Baz and I, we finally went back and found the place. It was just, it was almost like an, are you afraid of the dark episode? Like I thought someone was just going to kidnap us and we'd be off the grid. This house was like in the middle of just nowhere off Route 22 in New Jersey. And the, it was kind of spooky. And the, the people we dropped it off to, eh, a bit, I, I was a bit worried. Let's say yeah. that. that that was that's, that was a tough one. Yeah, yeah a lot of credit goes out to the drivers. It's it's yeah. pretty amazing. It's a tough gig, but yeah, it's funny you say that. Just without GPS doing deliveries, I remember there's a company called Food Taxi back in the day in, in Manalp, in Jersey. Oh yeah, yeah, and like I remember the allure of being able to get everything you want delivered. Even as a kid, I still remember like my parents ordering occasionally, but it would always take forever. And now I really like kind of think back. It's probably just because they didn't have GPS. And if you oh, weren't yeah. native to the area, you have no clue where the hell you're going. It's like, how did they figure yeah, that out? Too. The Bible, like Kanj, yeah. or Sean, Sean's house, everything. There was this like yellow pages of just delivery restaurants, or, yep. like the old school place. They just, they would deliver from all these places. It yeah. was awesome. yeah. like a taxi hub. Oh, yeah, and I forgot like the pizza places used to have like the, some still do, but like the massive maps of the entire town. And they'd have them like blow up in the back kitchen where like when they would get deliveries, the drivers would come and like they'd have to like literally map it out on the map. Blackjack Pizza in Boulder had that when I first got to college. I remember. I like, remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I wanted to say, guys, I forgot to give, I gave a lot of shout outs on Instagram the other day. I felt bad. I forgot the NUR. Scott Heitner oh, was a major boy. part. I, I got to hit him up because he was a big part of helping us his senior year with literally everything he was a beast with doing food events and helping us spread the brand and he he was a huge insomnia cookies lover so as long as i kept the nerf fed he was just churning and he was as fearless as they came so love you nerf hope all is well man and uh sorry about the forgot shout out the other day yeah that was the best i mean that's when i started obviously as a freshman and you and scott were seniors I mean, we had the obviously all the free foods at the free food handouts at the library. But um, oh man, going I remember to the noise pollution where we had the air horn and some woman put, uh, yeah. put a complaint. I think Davis. That was that was Davis. Yeah, shout Davis. Out something Aaron. went off with that. That's when you knew, guys. We tried everything, though. I think when it comes to no fear, I'll never forget. That's what my uncle told me when I was in California, twelve years old. Mike, two words for you: no fear. I'd like to think we played that card as much as possible when we started this thing. Cause I, I just remember doing things where looking back, it was like, man, that was ballsy. And even at the yeah. time I knew it was ballsy, but it was like, this has to be done or this isn't going to build. Yeah. What, what pumps me up now is that we're, you know, a lot of the kids working for us are getting a per order amount. And that's really what kind of pumped me up to really bust my ass. Cause at first I, I had no part of B-Town menus or any of the online ordering. Corey worked for free for our viewers the first yeah, year. Literally. I did. And then the did second the year, yeah, Mike and Pete pumped me up and Dan with incentives in terms of like how many hits to the website and how many orders per day. And me and Kleeman who helped us a ton and worked with me, I think throughout every year, but 
our senior year. But we had these initiatives to hit, and they kind of just drove us home because we thought we were going to make a shitload of money. I mean, we ended up, you know, making money for college kids, but doing something that we like, just talking to people, making friends. It was an incredible networking opportunity. But now that we're kind of doing the same type of model in a different way for kids to actually make money per order, I mean, I, that I'm just thinking back as a college kid, like that would just drive me. If you have a kid that's hungry and wants to make money, they could really run away with this. For sure. And I think this pandemic is kind of, it's interesting when we think about the marketing that was really effective back in the day with the grassroots efforts, which we know still works, but it's crazy to think about. I was even thinking about this on my run earlier. When I first started B-Town Menus, I had a Blackberry and I came to school with a CD player. Literally my freshman year, a CD player. I'll never That's forget crazy. that. Like literal mixes getting pumped up on a drive out to Indiana, like, oh, this is this new adventure. I'm there, this is pre-iPod days. So I'm sitting here thinking, wow, we started this crazy business in a tech space, and I went into college without any tech gadgets. I was way behind, people used to crack up. They're like, Mike, when are you getting rid of this Blackberry? I was like the last one to get rid of that. So it's interesting thinking about that, because I think it helped, actually, that was almost a gift in a way the interpersonal communication. I never liked calculators growing up. I was a hands-on guy. And I think that translated to getting this thing going. Yeah. Full circle, Blackberry's making a comeback. That's what happens, everything's full circle. <laughs> and you know, it's crazy thinking too guys, like we had a thing and you know, I know Pete remembers that, I'm sure he'll see this, but Corey, you remember, and Dan, when you were out in Bloomington, there was a 500 limit. Uh, there was a campus access card you were only able to print out 500 flyers a semester. Flyers as in, not, as in pieces of paper from the library or anywhere. And we, the amount of support we had of friends of friends and girlfriends of friends that would be giving me their campus access card to print out B-Town menus flyers just for future like free food. The belief of, oh, I believe you're gonna build this thing. You got me down the road. That was crazy. Like looking back, <laughs> thousands of just, impressions off of people hooking that up. Yep. Being I remember you said off like, everyone Grover. I had random kids. I wasn't even that close to that were like, dude, I love what you're doing here. Here you go. It was crazy. Yeah. You used to drop off like literally boxes. You would drive in your, uh, in that car. You had the black car, the Tiburon. little car. For remember Tiburon. when you that car? You helped me get rid of that thing. Yep. <laughs> and then, um, you would just drop off these huge boxes of just paper, printed paper with just B town menus promo material and we would just hand them out under every single dorm. It was just nonstop. That was worked also, so well. That first summer when we had all those resources, that was when I learned the hard way to never go commando in the summer. <laughs> Remember that, Corey? Walking around like an idiot yes, without boxers on in 95 degrees. Yep. That was the most painful doctor experience in my life. I'll tell you right now. Listen <laughs> oh, yeah. everyone there. You know, it's not all it's not all peaches and cream, folks. When it comes to bootstrapped in the trenches, our business, that like a lot of people don't know what happens behind closed doors. It's eating shit a lot of the time. That's the thing. We live in this headline era. People read about, you know, Elon Musk creating something we've never heard of every day. That's not the norm. You know what I mean? And even him, think about how long it took him to think like that. How many hours yeah. of books that he read on his own after being bullied. So everyone has to eat shit before eating gold. That's the reality. Everybody. The other thing uh, 
when you were talking on Sunday, it kind of brought me back. I was looking through like my old email. It's crazy how many layouts we went uh, we went through, uh, just like wow. the formats of the website. Yeah, I was looking back at like the original one and just yeah. constantly changing, do mean, and adapting. Do you mean the Do you mean the email styles or the actual no, website? The brand. Yeah, the like that brand. Oh, the brand okay. too, but I actually meant like the the layout of the website, the format. Gotcha. Like it used to be like the six boxes, and then it kept switching. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting point you bring up, Corey, because I think that also brings me to my next point for us to think about here is in our industry, it went from no competition, us being the big man on campus, only option to order from, then an influx of competition, where at first was like, oh, have you heard of Uber Eats? Have you heard of DoorDash? Have you heard of these guys? Now, it's almost like the novelty's worn off. And where I, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts here, what I'm pumped about, and I'm starting to see with us a bit. It seems like just like people still type in restaurants that they want specifically, there seems to be an opening for delivery service loyalty in our space completely. I, I haven't really seen retention in a way. I don't obviously see the data points these other big players have, but it seems like people are very open to moving around different yeah. services. Seems like the VCs just want to see new users, and that's probably why. Well, they're it's all like, it's like they're robots, so that's what's interesting. When we Dan always like we joke around. I remember you brought up Dan. You're like, what would if someone asked you if we were ever on CNBC, what distinguishes us? We're human, literally. Yeah, like that. We're we're in the markets. We've all done our thing on the ground, and you know, at the end of the day, we joke around about it, but it's humans versus robots. That's how we always look at it. <laughs> in the space. We're a self-funded family run business. Our competition is basically the US mint. So it's pretty- yeah, well, I think when it comes to technology, at this point, we are somewhat a technology business. Yeah. People, and this doesn't necessarily bode well for us, but it's just the reality of the situation. There's yet to be a situation where people have loyalty when it comes to technology. People well, are going to use- That's what's interesting about us being a marketing company that happens to have logistics. That's where it'll be interesting to see, can you build loyalty with that? I think you yeah. could. I mean, I'd as say Apple has a sense of loyalty, but it's, it's almost, it's because- Of the usability. Yeah, like they have came out with products that people start, like all of a sudden found challenging to use and they undid what they've successfully accomplished over all these years, people would get rid of their Apple stuff like that. People well, I think that part of it though, is providing the user experience to be top notch and, you know, giving them a reason to be loyal. And, and that's then, what's, yeah, and that's what's like the biggest challenge. Like when you talk about bootstrap and the trenches and when you talk about like us not being a funded company, you're right. That's really what you're up against when you're dealing in the world of technology is people always expect their experience to be absolutely top notch because they're used to it because the VC money gets companies to that point. So and I think people, we know what that means. App usage and deliveries being seamless, like being yeah, able to order quickly and get your food quickly. That's what the name of that, the game. That's 100%. That's all and yeah, we actually, well, that's, that's all they all care about. If you do provide that to them in the right fashion, the question then is, if you're on that same playing field as a couple other processors, can you be a customer partner and not just a processor? I think you could. Yeah. I think that's how Lyft has kind of became a successful company. Like uh, I was I listening agree. to the, yeah, I was listening to the business wars, Lyft versus Uber on my way back from Georgia. I was in Georgia this weekend. It was pretty cool. And 
on the way back, I was listening to that. And it was cool because it made me realize like, oh man, Lyft really did take the approach of, hey, we're the good guys. And they kind of let, and don't get me wrong, Uber is obviously still a much bigger company, but Lyft is also a massive company. And I know it's really just them too when you look at what's going on in the United States, like they're the two big players. But Lyft capitalized on Uber's mistakes. And when Uber had all those issues with team morale and when, and that's kind of what's been happening right now in our space with the players that we're up against, Lyft was quick to be like, listen, we're the other guys. We take care of our drivers and we don't have the same culture at our company as Uber with all the things that they're doing. And I think it works really well for them because if it didn't, Lyft wouldn't be where they are today. And so, yeah, I actually take back what I just said. Clearly, I think, Mike, you make a good point. If you do provide the same experience as best, then people are willing to accept a form of loyalty based yeah. on your beliefs, the way you view things. Like, I remember Uber had that whole incident with, like, when they were going on strike at the airports in Jersey and New York, and Trump did the whole immigration ban thing. And Uber like did this whole tweet saying, oh, we're not going to surge our prices during this. And then that's when the whole delete Uber thing started. And remember, do you guys remember that? Like the hashtag yeah. delete Uber and how it like really blew up. Well, apparently, you know, Lyft really capitalized on that. And Lyft came out and went about it in the opposite way. And I'm pretty sure they did as much as donate money to that specific cause. And they really put themselves on that side of the argument. And it kind of did the whole us first them thing. And that's where I think kind of going at your competition and making it an us first them thing is the best possible thing you could do because it kind of puts someone in the position where they have to take a side and have some sort of, I don't want to say argument, but something that you got going for you. Enough people are going to take sides with you. You know, yeah. it's like an election, Mike, like you always say. Yeah, it's like that candidate that back in the day that they always talk about that said, I'm against rape. And he ended up winning in a landslide. Who's voting against that guy? You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like at the end of the day, there's no doubt there's a huge benefit in playing that card, especially if everyone's already educated. I think that's a big part of it, though, and making sure that people are educated going in or else you're just hooking someone, some competitor up with free advertising. But in our space, without yeah. question, the education's rampant. It's blanketed. So we could play that card, I think, to our advantage. Because, you know, that's the beauty of competing against these big players. You think they're losing sleep over losing market share in the markets we're in? Eventually, if, we're, if that's happening in enough places, they cut us a check. That's how that game works. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. They don't care about the cities we're in. But we do care. That's, we really that's care. a big distinguishing factor. We yeah, care that's, which shows. So yeah, that's why that's we do my, these things, folks. We want exactly. to walk the walk with you and not just – we don't want you thinking, oh, these are just one of these delivery companies. We try to spend time, a lot of time, on our content to not only inform and engage, but entertain too. You know, it's that's just what we're here for. It's like, yeah, we have a delivery service and takeout service company, but we also have this fun podcast we're on together. And we do a lot of things to try to make this a good time, not just, oh, a processor, order here, here's a deal. Anyone can do that. Well, we do have deals. We, we do have, have great deals. We have some awesome deals. Corey just got a back, bringing back those fortune cookie days. Two for yeah. 12. 
dude, honestly, I, that's kind of what blew them up. They're just this oh, uh, new Chinese well, restaurant. Like, they that yeah, we all know what insomnia cookies guinea pig when you think about it. And uh, Dan, I was gonna tell you, unfortunately, I didn't know, but that restaurant's closed today. Uh, yeah, Dan, I, I feel like in a Chinese state of mind tonight for dinner. Dude, I'm always in a Chinese state of mind since moving to Charleston. The Chinese food here sucks. I think we gotta open up dim sum dens in Charleston. That would just stand out like crazy down there. You need to open up Wow Bap. You should franchise it. Or Mr. Miyagi's. I think we have to <laughs> rename Miles again. I think where is Can we get him on air? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Mr. Miyagi, you guys see on Netflix they had a uh, a whole. It's pretty clever. They came out with a series of the guy that he beat in the finals. Like I I, I, I saw it on. Netflix. I didn't see it, but I saw that. Uh, I saw it. Like I should watch it. Trent, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Miyagi of all people, Miles. I was gonna say, what do you think about us? Going back to the Miyagi days, now that you're an elder statesman. You see how he's slowly closing the eyes? He knows the deal. He's like, how do you guys stare uh, at the screen all day? Who's there? Say, say what's up to them. What's up, buddy? How's it going, young man? Miles, dog. Wow. So what's up to my Jack Russells. It's always great Miles to be in your presence. Yeah, I know yeah. Darren still calls him Miyagi, so that's... <laughs> That guy, that dog's had more nicknames than roommates. Should we wrap it up? It seems like Mile is always the end of our podcast. Yeah, that was fun, guys. <laughs> Any last stories you could think of, Corey? I mean, the dance marathon going on stage was awesome when we, with the air horn and being able to, like, throw out shirts. I remember Conj even came with us once. Yeah, yeah Conj. We were at a rock concert. It, like, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I'll never obviously. forget when Conj came with me, like, early in the B-Town days. You, uh, seeing that kid's space when we went into the library with pizzas once, Corey, to meet you, and everyone yeah. was chanting, and there were like a swarm of like a herd of students. And Conj was like, "Dog, this shit is blowing up." <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. All you have to do is feed yeah. hungry kids. He was like, in the zone for like ten minutes, just like dishing out pizzas, and he was like, "Man, that was exhilarating as hell. We got to keep that up." And it, was it really is fun. crazy. I remember one of the first things when I switched over to restaurants from paying ads to commissions, like Papa John's was one of the one, the first ones I did. And they paid, it was like 14%, but then they gave us like a thousand dollar food credit per semester. We used to just crank out pizzas nonstop, just free pizzas to so many people. It's wild. Good old, good old days. Good old days, guys. Anything cool. else you want to think about, Corey? Bring up? Obviously the IU days with uh, when we went to, um, Coach Calvin Sampson's house. Oh, that was incredible. Prior, one of the better memories. It was me, you, like, Kleeman, and the Heitner, right? Yeah, me, you, Heitner, and Kleeman. I feel like every uh, week, one of our uh, hangouts should be, or our podcast, should be us kind of just reminiscing on the business because I have a thousand stories. And I'm sure so many. You guys, well, I think yeah. we need to start with that. If you guys remember, part of why we did start this was to highlight our behind closed doors like no other company does. Agendas, yeah. in a way. I think we got to get back to that theme where there's this show, and we could have another well, one. Well, the first that, half of it, man. The first half yeah. of it. Yeah, well, we really dive into what we got going on. Like, we haven't even talked about the fact that we're doing a free delivery subscription for the first thousand people. That well, we're still up. live. We're still live. Go into it because we're live on our Facebook pages. Miles, please stop over there. Miles Young man, to... free delivery subscription. So, for our viewers, <laughs> 
we are doing a promotion for the first semester in all of our markets. We're talking about B-Town menus being Bloomington, Hungry Buffs being Boulder, all of our Lodell markets, which are Flagstaff, Las Cruces, Logan. Uh, what am I missing here? Well, Broomfield, Longmont, Lakewood, and we're, we're going to be launching Ogden here very soon in the weeks to come. And set, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Facebook, on LinkedIn. If you want a semester of free delivery subscription, or if you're not a student even, you could be eligible for this. It's the first thousand in each market. And it's filling up fast. I think we're getting actually pretty close to capacity. My guess is by this time next week, I don't know. It's going to be close. We might How did be- it, that email do today? It did well, actually, especially in Bloomington. I mean, I only sent it, keep in mind, to customers who haven't ordered in quite some time. So it kind of excluded like customers that are actively ordering right now because we obviously want this for new users. But it, it seems like there was a spike in new signups for the subscription, especially in Bloomington. That's awesome. We've been yeah. hammering the messages too. People have been very receptive. So hopefully all the culmination of this stuff is starting to pay off. Yeah. And excited to uh, do our first kind of influencer partnership with, with Macy Blackwell in Bloomington. That's going to be interesting because like Mike and Dan mentioned earlier, it's just a different way of marketing right now with COVID. So no ground and power. We're going to try a few different things. So that should be interesting, running some contests, and uh, she'll just do a day in the life ordering food and get to know Macy Blackwell. Macy Blackwell, the influencer crushing life in Bloomington. She's a behemoth over there. It's been cool seeing what she can do. It's really impressive, some of these influencers, how they are great at their craft. Yeah, no, it's just natural. Yeah, I mean, that's what people relate to. We got to have Corey look up. Uh, I wrote it down. Let me see if I can pull this up. I might have to have Megan remind me of the name. Mike, do you remember who, what the name was? Of Paige. Corey, a YouTube star in Bloomington. Paige. Um, Paige something. Mills. Paige Mills, maybe. Paige Mills, was it? Paige Mills. Let's see. Paige. I don't know. I know it was Paige know. something. And she supposedly is like the biggest Utah YouTube star in Bloomington. So That's we huge. Yeah, we should try to do something there with Paige some sort Mills. of like, yeah. Page Mills. Page Mills. Young man's roommate three years ago. Page Mills. She's got 35.2. Or no, this can't be her. That could be views. Oh no, this could be else on Instagram. Right when you said that, Jake just was about to call in. Wait, who is this? All right, I, is it? It's Paige Mills. Her her handle is my YouTube page, spelled P A I G E. Creative. Yeah, it must spell and my last. We should definitely try to do some sort of giveaway with her, with like yeah. helping her have us build up a following with Snap. Is this girl definitely in Bloomington? Do we know for sure? Yeah, yeah she did a whole. I just see here she did a uh, a vlog about my moving day at Indiana University. We should actually try. That's a great call that Megan brought up. We should be thinking about that for the other markets too, for YouTube. Yeah. YouTube's huge. Yeah. And what do you guys, yeah. TikTok, what do you think in there with this whole, you want to just see what happens? Are we even going to be able to be operating on there? Yeah, who knows? I'd rather focus on Snap, Instagram, and YouTube. I think YouTube yeah. is underrated. Get and Facebook that. Live for the communities is huge. We got to keep that front and center too. Corey, I went a bit earlier today. I was telling Dan, I'm just going to keep testing the waters at different times. 
Yeah. Never know yeah, who you're going to catch. Well, get it eventually oh, there, but oh, I think it's cool, right. the randomness. Mike, one of you guys want to reach out to Paige Mills? Yeah, I'm about to message her right now. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. How do we go out like finding people like this, specifically in our markets? I think now we can actually, I mean, we could definitely, I feel like the Bloomington, it, they're, because it's such a niche community, like you just come across them. I think YouTube, that's the case in all these towns, honestly. Yeah, YouTube, I haven't been really looking. Like, I don't know, maybe Paige Mills is not from Bloomington, but now just goes to Indiana. She might have been a YouTube star but prior. See how we found out? It was from a student. So yeah, that's our best bread and butter. Yeah, just keep our ears on the ground. I wonder what, I mean, what's great about Paige Mills is there's a good chance that she uses or knows about B-Town menus. Maybe Definitely. we could just do like an awesome food credit swap with her for a video because it's something that she seems like a girl just based on quickly scanning on her YouTube page that she just does things that are that she's already doing in her everyday life. Like she vlogs based on what she's doing. So if yeah. she's pretty open to food and we can figure out something there, it might be a good thing for her. Definitely. And I, I, I see uh, some national competitors doing it with like big YouTube stars, um, pretty much Postmates, none of the other companies, but they do it a lot with like big YouTube stars in California. Um, and they'll yeah. just have like quick segments like, oh, I'm just going to order my food real quick. And there's no doubt hyper locally. That's extremely effective for us. Yeah, they put the link on the bottom of the page, do the coupon code. You just give her her own coupon code, maybe give her a kickback per order or something. I like that. Hey, right. Mills, if you're listening, hit us up before we hit you up. We want to do a YouTube thing with you. I think I hear young Mr. Miyagi's uh, stomach rumbling over there. It must be dinner time. <laughs> Yagi's not known for being a big eater. I feel like he eats to live, not lives to eat. He's listening to your family right now. But yeah, he's yeah. eating as we speak. So he's stressing. To our viewers, right. thanks for listening. Follow us on uh, YouTube, please. Subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. Bootstrapped in the trenches. It's been fun. Here's to another 15 years, folks. Enjoy Cheers, your Bootstrapped in the trenches. Yeah. Making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lodell, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.